Here we are with a whole new year and our first collab of the year with the Pilot Pandemic Podcast. And we're what's up, what's up everybody? Hey Hello. So we're kind of doing this as again a, a co-collab where we're gonna co-release this or co-swap it on each other's podcast. So for everyone on the pilot pandemic side, we are canceled for maintenance. I myself am six. And I'm MBP. And our third man, Shoreline, is again out for uh, work. He's doing offsite stuff. I almost said offshore again. God damn it. <laughs> but he's doing he's so- out for maintenance. He's out for maintenance. <laughs> he's out for maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> <I> got us there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we specifically talk about the life of aircraft mechanics and all the gritty underbelly stuff that ensues with that. And then for all our listeners, ladies with the Pilots Pandemic podcast. So I'm Emma. I'm the founder and host of the Pilots Pandemic uh, podcast. We're a really new podcast, but basically we just everything aviation, but more specifically air medical reform and mental health for pilots. So I'm Emma and then my beautiful co-host, Maddie. Yep. Hi, guys. I'm Maddie. Um, I'm an aviation wellness expert and also married to a pilot, so pilot wife, and have a, a background in aviation as a ramper, cargo agent, and customer service agent. Uh, I should have said something like more detailed about myself. I'm a pilot. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pilot. Because I'm a I don't, pilot. I don't lead with that. You know what I mean? There's that. There's that. What's what do you call that? Um, like a preconceived idea that pilots you know, lead with, I'm a pilot. I try not to lead with it, but it is fun to talk about. Uh, I'm, I'm going to mention a song to you. I'm not sure if you heard it. It's called I'm a pilot. Uh, and the band is called Dos Gringos. They're a group, a pair of a- air force pilots. I want to say they're air force pilots. No, they're air, a- a- aviation, uh, air force mechanics. Oh, I believe. Okay. okay. But definitely listen to one of their songs. It's called I'm a pilot. It will, Make you laugh. I have to listen to it. It sounds like uh like something that I would listen to before a flight lesson. I I always listen to um there's this song by U2 called Elevation, and that's my like gas up song before a flight lesson. Ooh, I thought yeah. you were gonna say danger zone. Danger zone. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. When she <laughs> when she passes the takeoff and abort line, you know? Well, what is it? Yeah. Uh V1, is it? I can't remember. Anyway, we're the <laughs> The, like the point where you guys like, okay, it's either I take off or I board. You're past the point of a boarding, oh, so yeah, you have yeah, to go. Yeah. Hey, all, all my gauges are green. Airspeed's there. We're rolling. I'm just like, you know what? F the V whatever. I'm pulling back. We're going to go. You know what I mean? If she's rocking and she's rolling, we're going. <laughs> right. That's when Highway to the Danger Zone pops in. <laughs> it, it does on occasion, <laughs> even though it's like one of my least favorite songs. There have been moments where I've definitely been like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. there. Or, or Creed's uh, Can You Take Me Higher? Oh, yes. Okay, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> not not going to lie. Whenever those songs like Top Gun or, or whatnot come on, it's usually when we're doing like flight control checks and there's like zero chances of this plane even going anywhere. So we're, like just messing around, messing with the flaps and then all that. And like, <laughs> like you, you're not going nowhere, man. Like just cut it out. <laughs> 
Uh, unless I we're catch doing myself it. singing it all the time, like just doing the most monotonous things. Like I'm vacuuming, listening to nothing, and it just will pop into my head. I've only seen Top Gun one time, but it what? that song is that I don't really like Top Gun. I'm not gonna I'm gonna be no, that girl. Emma, <laughs> that's a sin. That's a that isn't a sin. sin. <laughs> it is so bad. They play the t- same two songs. Take my breath away, and then the you know Highway to the Danger Zone, and those are the only two songs that play. And hey. You I just forgot I can't you've got that plot. love and feeling. Yeah, you've got you, that love and feeling. Yeah. I've been saying that from a captain on a regional flight. He said he's saying that song to me over the PA system because uh, my husband was his first officer. Control to Major Tom. That's a good I think that's blasphemy what you just said. You don't like as a pilot and not liking Top Gun, they're going to kick you out of the club. Oh, I've already been kicked out. I've been long been dissed. I'm the black sheep of pilots in aviation. Oh, man. So, so she's, she's a maverick and over herself, MVP. So yeah. That's right. I identify more with the Val Kilmore. I'm like more of an Iceman. Right? I, I'm, I'm a okay. Leo. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, duh. <laughs> like, uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. Like, I totally would identify oh, better with either so Goose uh, or Iceman. And just because, like, almost everything they said about Maverick is basically right. Like, you're dangerous. You don't know how to play as a exactly. teammate. Like, He's machoism. And the, my, my favorite lines in Top Gun, for, uh, for one, is when his CEO in the very beginning is, like, chewing his ass out. And he's like, you will be flying a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit out of Taiwan. And like, what? <laughs> like, what a very specific thing to say. And then uh, when him and Iceman were going at it in the locker room, just kind of, like, staring each other down, like, there, there's, there was like a whole uh, sitcom about it where like guys will uh, joke about Top Gun and how it's not about pilots, about uh, a gay man trying to find out that he's gay. It was the funniest like a readover I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> no, like the sexual tension within that movie is so like it's 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 tight. It's 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 very strong tension um, throughout the whole entire cast. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just really not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan. There's like better. That's sacrilegious! Okay, how dare you? <laughs> Discriminatory. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Somebody's gonna come in and be like, "That's racist. That's racist <laughs> to me to not like Top Gun." Xenophobic <laughs> and racist. <laughs> this uh, conversation we, triggered me. Like, what? What is it? Uh. Uh, facetious and deplorable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I just, I listen, like I really just, it's not there. There are better films. There are so like, there could be better things. Now I will say when I saw the previews for the new Top Gun that was supposed to come out on my fucking birthday, talk about Epic, talk about main character energy um never came out but i was excited for it i really kind of was i was like you know what i think this time they'll get a little bit of a better soundtrack it won't be so corny um there will be more of like a a message behind the film and then it just never came out yeah has it ever came out Did it no, ever it has not. i think it got delayed because of the because of the pandemic uh got delayed one, check one up for another delay column so many things for maintenance and damn delays Man. I blame maintenance. <laughs> another canceled one. for pandemics <laughs> another one <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> another one. Another one. Uh, another one. But how it feels one. with the variant and DJ Khaled coming out. Another another one. one. Yeah, have y'all heard of the Delta Cron? Delta Cron? No, the Delta-cron? last one I heard of was Omicron. Mm-hmm. But oh, now so it's apparently the Delta and the Omicron, they're they're together. Um they're oh, in a relationship great. and they've created Omicron the or Delta Crone, which is their their love child. The, fr- the freaking Megatron. It's now like we're naming yep. we're naming our variants after the Transformers. Hair, the hair lip, the hair lip Delta love child. Delta Cron. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Y'all stay safe out there for real. Yes, please. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to deny that there's not something going on, right? There's actually there's obviously people getting sick over whatever, but but, uh, you know, no worse than that. Well, hell, like for me last week, I was supposed to have hernia surgery this past week. And I got the pre-surgery COVID test. I'm like, oh, you're positive. And I was like, how? Shit. I don't, I don't yeah, how? I don't, I was like, I feel nothing. I have no symptoms. And they're like, oh, well, you just must be one of, they call them. Um, super spreader. No, no, no. The ones who they, they're <laughs> asymptomatic. Very, no, asymptomatic. Yeah. Super spreader. I'm just giving super you spread. shit. I'm the super <laughs> spreader. Changing my call. Super, super spreader. Super spreader. <laughs> like, like this super spreader coming at you. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, like the first thing that popped in my head when you said super spreader is like um, a sports bike, like a crotch rocket where like it has that, that extra wide yeah. tank and you got to like really like hug at it. With, like, you got to like do like this hugging motion with your legs and and you just make like this horse saddle of a leg. For, like um, what, what do you call it? Charlie horse where like your your knees touch, but your thighs don't. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. I can envision I've, that. I've never when had I hear that super problem. Spreader, my thighs always touch. I, I think like somebody who spreads too much peanut butter on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like a super spreader, like that person's a super spreader. Don't have them make a PB and J for you. I mean, you could always, is there, is there really, well, such in a terms of aviation, much? I guess they could be what the fire bombers and crop dusters. Yeah. <laughs> super, spreader. those super spreaders. That guy's a super spreader, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be a t-shirt now watch super spread bro <laughs> yes with with like the crop duster on the yeah. back with the, it's like spreading yes <laughs> no new merch ideas guys there you, you want to collab yeah. on that yeah, okay, that'd be sweet <laughs> i'm a super spreader uh, yo, yo listen oh my god can you imagine the faces that you get that's iconic y'all like on the front i'm a super spreader oh my god the liberals are gonna like <gasps> triggered and then you'll turn around and it's gonna be like you know just, say you know a- ag aviation with a crop <laughs> duster on it you know what i mean yeah <laughs> Uh, fun stuff <laughs> we're, we're off to Gosh. a great start already we're, we've already aborted takeoff yeah. so many times <laughs> listen that's how it always is before maddie and i go to press record it's like a lot of red leather yellow leather red leather yellow leather and then hitting the vape and then you know kind of procrastinating and then being like all right you ready one two three <laughs> oh, and then this, we always did, did you say red leather yellow leather yeah, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. That's what I oh, like. You like know. a warm up voice exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, because I feel like I have a slight lisp that wasn't diagnosed. And sometimes I fumble on my words or I get into these patterns where I'll just stutter and I'll stay on one word like uh, 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 the, the, the. So I don't know. I, that seems normal to me because if I think if you had a lisp instead of super spreader, when super spreader, you didn't do that at all. So <laughs> super spreader, super spreader, secret, secret shredder, what? spraying the crops <laughs> for 
for insects and stuff. Besides, <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. When uh, when you say red leather, yellow leather, that's like more of a tongue twister to me than the the Peter Piper rhyme. Really? I was thinking that she sells she seashells. Yeah, I can't even yeah she see that too. Seashells. I can I can nail that like easy. But when I when, when you were saying red leather, yellow leather, I'm like, holy shit! I cannot say that. <laughs> see, I can't do the Sally. Is it Sally sells she seashells? Sally <laughs> sells seashells by the sea. Can't do that one. But I thought it was red she sells leather. seashells because she and C and. That's yeah, that's lot. what really just blows people's minds. <laughs> well, Nelly, we've established that we suck at, at tongue twisters. <laughs> it's uh, always the most illiterate or like speech and pedomized people who decide to create a podcast. <coughs> Me. <laughs> I'm like, we'll be reading from our like our little articles that we're reading off. And I mean, there are times when I'm like, okay, I need to go back to elementary school. <laughs> I, I, like, I think it's just the shit talkers. The ones who like to talk shit are the ones who do podcasts. Yeah. Ra- raising right. my hand. And stuff. Raising my hand. High, high in the, the sky. The bad kids. Yeah, it's us. The class clowns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I totally got class the, clowns. We're attention seekers, guys. You know that, right? Oh, am I? Oh, God. Am yeah. I, I mean, I? really, really. We're all well, main true. character energy. We have this show. I, we're like putting ourselves on this platform. Look at us go. And that takes confidence. Well, so I it does. I, I can tell you when we first started out, though, we were like, okay, episode one. Hello, everybody. Awkward pause, yeah. crickets. <laughs> what, what do you want to talk about to, today, Six? Real, it just took a while to find her, find her feet. Find your voice. Yeah. yeah. So, well, you know, I got, I got a face for radio, so it works out. <laughs> yes. Speaking, speaking that. of that, like when we're going on to our first two episodes, we actually shot those two in the first day. And it was actually like three hours long. And we're like, yo, this is too long. We should probably cut this down. Because we went, we, there was a, there was a, a definite divide as to what we were talking about. But when we recorded it, it was like, what do we do? Like, or oh, let's just start bullshitting. All right. And we just went off. And Shoreline had his video up. And we were the whole time before the recording, we were like thinking, like, how do we translate this so that the average person could understand? And then um, Charlene had his video up and we we're just talking away. And for a minute, he wasn't like understanding what we we're talking about. But then we hit a point and he just started busting up laughing and we could see his face laughing. We almost lost our composure because he wanted to laugh with him. And then we're like, OK, that's it. Let's just keep saying stuff like that to get him to laugh. <laughs> And now that it just turned into a whole episode of us just like saying stuff, just saying stuff enough where it translated just enough for you to get the joke and laugh. And we're like, that's it. We found it. We found the spot. Let's just roll with that. And then it turned into a a three hour long conversation. And we're like, okay, now we need to cut this down because no one's going to listen to a single episode. Yeah, we're not Rogan. For not for three hours. <laughs> so if, uh, listen, if I would release it three hours, you you'd be surprised. I mean, podcast listeners, like I'm a I'm an avid podcast listener. I love a three hour podcast. I love Joe Rogan's because they're so long. He will do yep. ones with Duncan Trussell. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Duncan Trussell, but I am. so funny. Those episodes are hilarious, but they're like five hours long. Yeah, Emma, you yeah. Have like, this is like- perfect. 
you can pay attention for like a long time. I'm a like hour, 45 minute podcast listener. Like anything longer, you can't really hold my attention because I'm like, I've heard enough on this topic. So we tried to base it on like, what's an average commute time? Because most people, let's face it, are listening to it while they're driving. Mm-hmm. At least yeah. at least that's how, what I I what I, what I do and what I kind of feel. So I was like, yeah, let's try to keep it around an average commute time. Mine is like a, I'm a shower listener and then like get ready. So usually it takes me like an hour to get ready. Oh, nice. I'm, that makes I sense. I listen to podcasts all the time, like all day long in 2021. I didn't listen to any music like there. I didn't save any new music oh. like for that whole entire year. I don't know if maybe there was actually something like wrong with me that I couldn't listen to music, but I listened to podcasts the whole entire year. I mean, I listened to 13 hundred minutes of um crime junkie like just absolutely sickening and bizarre amount of podcasts that i listen to and i noticed that too especially for people who are in high stress jobs they like to listen to a lot of true true crime or some serial killer shit you know well it's like when you're so overstimulated all the time the last thing i want to do is get into my car and listen to something that's going to stimulate me even more in the morning it's great like when i need to get up and like get pumped up i think music is great but when i'm trying to relax like later in the afternoon absolutely not turn it off my boyfriend it drives him insane because he'll try and play music while we're cooking and i'm like turn it down i'm gonna freak out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, it's too loud. It's too much. It's overstimulating. Turn it down. I'm like, if I have to listen to myself talk and everyone else talk all day long, the last thing I want to hear is music. I'm like, just shut it off. Shut it down. I want to listen to Crime Junkie. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, well, I'm, I'm kind of that way too. I don't, I mean, the music can be playing or whatever, but I want it at a low tone. Like I want, I want the house to be kind of quiet. quiet. And with, yeah. with three kids, it's kind of difficult to do. Um, now, if it's just me and the kids at home, you know, they're they're most of the time pretty quiet. Um, but when the wife's around and stuff like that, and then they're all chattering back and forth, you know, and then I'm just like, all right, we gotta like reel it in a little bit. The, yeah, quiet we don't have to place, turn the TV up to place. volume eighty because you guys yeah. can't talk quieter. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, literally, it's like when you're watching a movie with somebody and they won't stop talking, and then there's that one person that keeps turning the TV up louder and louder and louder, and you're like shut up like just yeah, everyone what is be happening? quiet <laughs> right that's what like it was happening i was watching uh jim gaffigan's most recent uh stand-up on netflix last night and the same thing i would started playing it and then somebody would start talking and then somebody else would respond and it would get louder and louder and then they come and ask me questions and i refused to turn up the tv so i just hit pause and i was like all right everybody say what you have to say ask me the questions you want to ask and then go away disperse <laughs> leave me alone i don't want to see you because <laughs> i was like i'm, I'm not going to turn the volume wife's like we'll just turn up the tv volume line i'm like i'm not it's already at 32 i'm not turning it up to 45 so you guys can continue screaming at each other while ha- whilst having a normal conversation you know what i mean i don't right. I, I i i'm afraid of that day like i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm I get overstimulated by the the sounds that my dog and my two cats make, and I'm like, "What am I going to do when I start conceiving? Like, this is just there's no chance for me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to walk around with like, um, like eye blinders and freaking earmuffs because so, if I see any amount of mess or anything, I'm going to come completely unglued. This so is why I don't have kids. You, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised at what 
how subconsciously you'll change a little bit when you have when you do have kids, right? Because I'm still one of those like, oh my god, there's stuff everywhere. What, what are we doing? Um, and and over time, you know, you teach the kids and they start cleaning up after themselves or whatever. But it, you'd be surprised at like what I call selective hearing or how you can go tone deaf to certain noises. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and you don't even realize that you're doing it. And then somebody else will come to the house. Like, can you, can you not hear that? And I'm like, huh? Oh yeah. no, I just totally blocking that, that frequency out of my brain. You know, it, it also, it also helps that being around engines so long, part of your hearing is already fried. Well, so like, I'm deaf. Yeah. Like, <laughs> can't hear shit anyways. <laughs> Talking say, to my good ear. Like say what now? Or, or, you get so deaf or you get so ear, so much hearing damage that you can't tell, you know, sounds coming at you. You just can't tell where it's coming from. Oh, so, I get that a lot. I'm like, is that coming from back the hallway or is that coming from the kitchen? I, flying I made my right hearing so sensitive. Like it, it made my hearing. I, I wish I would have gone a little bit more deaf, but now it's like everything hurts. Um, I don't know if that's normal, but I mean, like, I don't know if it's because a certain part of my brain just was like magically unlocked. And then I became attuned to all these different sounds. Um, Same thing with my smell. Like, I mean, so that sounds crazy, but after I started flying, like the way my smell and my hearing changed was insane. I don't know if it's like being paranoid because I'm a worry wart, um, but my hearing has changed so much after flying. And I feel like certain sounds really, really hurt my ears. Well, I think it's a, it's a high stress environment. You're at whatever thousands of feet. Uh, you, you got bitch and Betty. You listen to, you got ATC, you've got your co-pilot or whoever you've got other things. You're just listening for, you know, as you're moving along, like, Hmm, that sounds, where's that whining sound coming from? I haven't heard that before or have I, but you're also, do yeah. you have, you have noise canceling headphones, right? You're flying in. Absolutely I assume. Absolutely not. Oh no. <laughs> I really? will never own a pair because you know, I think it's the most dangerous thing you could ever do. I, okay. So no offense to, if anyone listens to this and you are my flight instructor and you own a pair of bows and you hear this, don't like, don't be mad at me, but I think it's the most, one of the most irresponsible things you could ever freaking do, especially when you're a flight instructor or you're a general aviation pilot, just flying like smaller aircraft order aircraft i think it's the dumbest thing like you can't hear what's going on in nine times out of ten i hear something before i see it you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i get um, you i, I thought maybe the me, noise canceling would take out like the 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 drone or the hum right it, so you would be does. able to hear other yeah. thing other things more clearly it would just take out that ambient it's kind of over, overbearing oh okay all you hear is like yourself talking you're the person that's next to you and then you can play music which is like super sick i mean not gonna lie i would really like the bows but that's the only feature i want is to be able to play music um because loves it i love the soundtrack to my life you know what i mean um but i mean other than i, that, think, I think that's more anything. dangerous than the i think that's more dangerous than when that you said True. it was dangerous it to is. have the 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 noise canceling, but shit, if you're playing music, I mean, you're not, you're not hearing anything else anyways. Listen, you want to know how split brain like a CFI <laughs> is? I've had CFIs who have literally been wearing Bose headsets, listening to literally something like Creed um, and, and also giving me a flight lesson and also talking to ATC at the same time. That's like, like magic. That's, that's yeah. right. Just like automatic responses. They're not actually hearing it. They're just so no, muscle like memory. A robot. 
<laughs> so, so I know when I was a uh, mechanic on uh, private jets, corporate jets and all that stuff, I was run taxi qualified on pretty much anything from a citation encore up to like a global five and 6,000 or like a G uh, 450, 550 and all that. Um, but I remember I was out in Louisville, Kentucky one winter and we just did a dual engine change and we had a snowstorm come in that night. And all I had to do was get out there and do a run, a power assurance run, just make sure and every, everything was good, no leaks, whatever else. And it was a, it was in the middle of the night, all the UPS heavies were coming in and I'm trying to talk to, I'm trying to talk to the tower and I'm trying to listen to what my, my guy on the radio is, is saying to me and all these other things. And I, I, I was really struggling with split brain because I would say, you know, uh, tower, this is, <clears throat> this is whatever tail number, uh, maintenance crew looking for a progressive, you know, progressive. I learned to do progressive taxi, but until that, I would just say, I need to, you know, go out here and do a run. And they would rattle off a thousand things to me. And I'm like, oh shit, I can't remember all that. <laughs> so that's when I learned to lead off like, hey, it's a maintenance crew looking for a progressive. So they go right off the bat and like, oh, okay, this guy is obviously below Speak the to you like curve. a normal human. Yeah. And so the one girl uh, there in Louisville was working tower. She, she was uh, really good. And she was like, okay, move here now, turn left next, turn right next, you know, and then we were in the snow and it was hard for me to see the markers and everything else. Cause it was a really bad snowstorm, but that was a high anxiety moment. But yeah, um, I know what you mean about being split brain. Cause as a maintainer, I am, I am not. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, and I think the, what, to answer yours about your hearing and such getting so enhanced, I believe that's like a, an adrenaline thing. Like health, yeah. health experts, please like correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say that's an adrenaline thing because MVP and myself have felt this where like your, your adrenaline is so spiked, like everything minus what you're seeing is just dead. It doesn't exist, but everything within your field of vision is like, I can see dust like m- manifesting yeah. out of nothing, <laughs> like just blooming out of, out of out into existence. You can see the realm. You can see the, the matrix. Yes. And then like, most sounds like you just tune it out, like you like the sound of your engine going, the sound of your propeller, like just chopping wind uh, as it's flying. It's like deaf to you. But as soon yeah. as like you hear like a beep, a whistle, a clunk, even it's like the loudest sound in your, you'll ever hear in your life. And it just like rattles mm-hmm. your skull. I'm like, what is going on right now? <laughs> red alert. Press the red button. We're out of here. You know, and yeah, I mean, I, dude, it's sick. Like I do the same thing in my car. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That is pretty funny. So I'm the type of guy that has to turn the volume down to make sure it can, I'm going the right direction. Type so so yeah. you, you turn the volume down so you can see better. <laughs> yep. yep. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> yeah, you know, do you people, ever, go no, no, go for it. Go for it. I was going to say like people laugh, but that's a thing, you know, like, cause when this going back to the split brain thing where like, if you turn down the, the music or you turn on the volume, you're allowed, you're now allotting more of that to your site. And it's it just funny. Like how, like, some like they can really compartmentalize that so well, but most yeah. of us, especially being so high strung, like being on the ramp, being on the line, being in an airplane, it's like, you got to mind so many things and then turning off one less thing makes your, makes your um, concentration just that much better. Yeah. That, that reminds me of like when you're driving and then you see a cop in the rear view, you're like, Turn my fucking music off. Like I can't drive right if music is on. Like that's literally what I do. I am the best citizen ever. Like go past <laughs> yeah. me, past me. You can on ten and twelve. I'm good. 
10 and 12 listening to gospel hymns, not gangster rap. Nothing to see over here in my Toyota Tercel. Yeah. (laughs) NPR. (laughs) No, dead ass. I'll never forget. I got pulled recently and I haven't been pulled much, but um, I got pulled for like the third time since I've had my license. And um, I got out of like a whole ticket because I was a pilot. I've never ever in my life like been able to use that card but the guy came the the officer came up to my window and I have um like old Piedmont plates from Piedmont US Air American you know how it all goes but Piedmont mm-hmm. old Piedmont plates he's like you fly for Piedmont? I'm like, no, this is my dad's car. He's like, oh, cool. That's cool. Your dad fly for Piedmont? Yeah, but like, I'm a pilot. And then, I mean, immediately, man, I don't even know why he pulled me over. Like, I don't know why he pulled me over because we just talked about aviation. (laughs) So if you ever get pulled over and, you know, you've got little licenses on you, hey, whip it out, whip one out. You might get out of it. He might be in aviation and in, in, in like he might be into it. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest when you say I don't know why he pulled me over. This flashes me back to super troopers. When they would just like start <laughs> fucking with people that, that they pulled over. And I could see myself doing that. I totally 100 percent see myself doing that. And that's probably why I'm not a cop, because I, I would fuck with people way, way too many times. than I should have. Like, yeah, just pulling people over for no freaking reason just to have a conversation. I would do that. Right. Or, or I'll, I'll do like the cat game. Like, listen, meow. Did, did, meow. You, just, did you just say meow? Like, <laughs> did, did I just say meow? <laughs> and here's my partner on the other side just laughing his ass. <laughs> Dude, oh, oh my gosh. So, oh my gosh. So ladies, uh, well, especially Emma, since you mentioned the heresy that is not watching Top Gun more than once, uh, what, what did inspire you to get into the aviation community and or be a pilot? So my my dad and my uncle were both pilots for, they started with Piedmont and when they ended their careers, they were with American Airlines. And so my dad being pilot, my uncle being a pilot, and then my grandma, my mom, my aunts were all flight attendants. So I've always had this definite influence of the industry in my life. My dad had a Piper Cub. We grew up flying that. So I just, it's been in my life this whole entire time. Yeah. And I mean, I loved it. Like I've always loved it. Um, It took me a while to gain the confidence to actually pursue getting my private pilot's license and really becoming a pilot. My dad tried so many times. He was like, I soloed when I was 16, you're going to do the same. Um, And he tried, but I had this fear still when I was a little bit younger. And then things changed and, you know, life goes on and you grow up a little bit. And then I immediately was just like drawn back into it and immersed in the whole entire world again, and then got my private pilot. And now I have my instrument rating and working towards my commercial, but it takes money. Yes, oh, yeah. de- definitely something and time too. Yeah. Uh, I know so many occasions where MVP and I, where we just really want to get these students up and out because the sooner you finish your lessons, the sooner we can like shut this all down. The sooner yep. we can like put end, in your logbook <laughs> and this air quote commission that we have to do, because sometimes we're contracted to help the, the schools. Like you're, you're only, you're only going to get paid when X amount of students pat or fly. So 
things like mechanics, things like weather, things like students not passing the written prior to the flight or whatever. It just like it drains it down. And it's like, well, there goes another day of not doing shit. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, and Maddie, how about yourself? Like, uh, was did, did something draw you in particular to aviation or um, was there something you just fell into it or what's the story? Um, so my background in aviation kind of started with my dad. He was a pilot and he actually passed away flying plane in Juneau. But um, prior to his passing, which is only like eight months prior, I got into the aviation industry um, as a ramper because of him because he had like an LOA. He was a ramper at a regional airport. And then they were like, yeah, you can accrue your hours because he was working to become first officer. And so when he took that leave of absence, that's when he passed away and I was working as a ramper. So he kind of is the one who got me into the aviation industry. And in the beginning, I wasn't really like in love with aviation. I just thought it was like a fun job because I'm someone who needs a lot of different tasks to do. And once I learn something, I kind of get bored by it. So that's really what I loved about being at a small airport because you had to do all the different jobs. You weren't just outside and you weren't just inside. You did everything. Um, And then that's how I met my husband. Um, And he and I met, I think it was like two years into me working and I got married to him maybe two years later. And I kind of saw how um, the aviation industry is really unhealthy. And that's where I started getting into aviation wellness. Sounds good. And, and especially like to start out with something as heavy as your father passing away. I mean, God rest him. But I'm well, it's for some people that I know of, when something heavy like that happens, I say, like, I'm done. Like, I'm not doing nothing with planes. I'm not doing nothing with this because it took something so dear to me that I just don't want to see it ever again. And I've also seen others like in your case, for instance, like, well, this was heavy and I don't want this to happen to somebody else. So what, what can I do to A, pay tribute to what happened to that and then ensure like something else carries over where some people uh, don't have to experience this or it can be prevented to a certain degree? Yeah, I got really lucky with um, when my dad passed away since he was on that leave of absence from his job as a ramper. I filled his position. So I got to work with his coworkers. And I think that went such a long way in me, like feeling like I had this support system because they all knew my dad. So they had always tell me stories about him and what he was like working with. And he was just, my dad was so silly. Um, he was a lot of fun. He told all those dirty dad jokes. And I w- always wondered where he got it from. And then once I got into the av industry, I was like, oh, this is why he is the way that he is. <laughs> <laughs> we we can dev vouch for that. <laughs> that's one thing you talk about, you know, the aviation health, but that's that's a subject that doesn't get talked about a lot uh at or at all in fact, at least from my my time in the in the field. So it's that's it's cool you're taking steps to uh try to help help those who are affected and then, you know, make it a known subject or make it at least a subject worth talking about. Cause I think for at least for most maintainers, it's one of those, just put your head down and grind through it and uh, wash it all down with copious amounts of alcohol and caffeine and nicotine, mm, especially the nicotine. Oh my God, man. Like I've, yeah. I, I was not such a heavy smoker until I got into the app industry and I, I was chain smoking. Like it was cool. It was like, like, um, 
I was like a train pretty much. Like I'll just burn through packs. Um, and then what the sad part is what got me into stopping. It wasn't that I said, woke up one day, it's like, yo, I need to stop smoking. It's because I looked at my checking account one day and realized I blew close to $500 in a week just for cigarettes. I'm like, holy shit damn like yeah i need to slow it down friend me with my jewel pods (laughs) (laughs) i'll never forget my first flight lesson like and you know i mean like i've vaped but i'll never forget my first flight lesson when we're up there and i'm chilling with cfi we're like going on across country and he's like pulls out the vape he's like hey you vape (laughs) yeah babe Oh, okay. Well, you mind if I vape and we're in a diamond 20. That's like, I mean, the size of a desk, pretty much. It's like if two people were to sit at a desk and man's is vaping and we're like, you know, hotboxing this tiny little airplane with nicotine (laughs) with the jewel. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, wow, this is definitely like good for our lungs, for our thinking, for our health. Not... (laughs) <laughs> so i, I want to touch on that a little bit uh for, well for both of you ladies really uh emma as a pilot was there any sort of challenges or any extra special or stigmatic challenges that you had to encounter uh upon being a pilot or chasing a, a career in aviation um i i've never myself like struggled um with getting my medical i've been really lucky like having not, I mean, other than money, I haven't had any walls as to coming into aviation, but I do know like growing up, I mean, my dad being a pilot, my uncle being a pilot, my dad passed of heart disease and his death like was one of those where I feel like his death really could have been prevented. Um, Part of the reason why he died was he was trying so hard to get back onto the flight line and undergoing so many unnecessary procedures to be able to get his job back. when. In reality, like the first procedure he went through, he could have lived his whole entire life happy. That wouldn't grant it his journey back into the industry. But I saw it a lot with my dad and like the way that we were raised and definitely with mental health, like mental health was so stigmatized in my family. And little did we know that like my uncle was struggling with mental health and that is what like resulted in his passing as well. So I've seen those stigmas within my own family. I've never had to deal with it myself. I think because I have this platform and I am really outspoken about health struggles within the industry. Nice. And I've, I've noticed this, especially when, with people struggling, the ones who criticize you the most are normally people who are the most close to you. Like, yeah. Uh, it's like it takes like this extra translation barrier to really explain what they're going through. Because whenever you bring up something to family, the first thing they say, "Oh, like you're just being the dramatic one of the bunch, or you're just taking things too seriously, or whatever." Or like it's it's some kind of traditional family culture, whatever barrier that you just have to like crack through. And it's like you never would consider yourself like running into any of these, or you would. No, th- definitely not. Like it's to even think about my uncle who was like a captain of the Dreamliner. I mean, he was like, in in my eyes, he was very glamorized. Like we talk about Top Gun, like he was the maverick of the family. I would have never anticipated that this person was dealing with depression or had suicidal ideation. Like you just don't really anticipate it, especially when it's within your close circle. Right. Exactly. 
And then Maddie, you mentioned with your, your father and whatnot. Um, is there any other like uh, challenges, whether it be emotional, mental, physical, or even like because of your gender that you had to overcome, especially being a ramper? I think as a ramper, it was like that. Um, you felt like inferior to pilots, really. So like they didn't treat you with as much respect. I know that that was like a big thing. Uh, one of the questions you guys had for us about ground crews and pilots is um, I always, before marrying my husband, I really thought pilots were just assholes and they thought that they were the shit and that they could do no wrong. And I did have like one instance where we were doing load factor and the pilots like instruments weren't working for him to like calculate it. So he had to do it manually um, and he had all the paperwork and he got so upset that he just threw all the paperwork back at us. And it was me and the, the load coordinator. And I was like, what the fuck? And the whole plane was loaded. So like er the whole plane saw us this happening and unfolding. And I, it took all my energy not to just like berate him because I knew it wouldn't do anything at the end of the day, but it was just like so disrespectful as a woman to deal with that. And so after that instance happened, I was like, I literally won't hate, like, I'm not happy with pilots anymore. So <laughs> like, that's the funny part is that when my husband came in and asked for my number, um, I really didn't want to go out to the plane at all. I was like, why is there a pilot asking for me? I thought he knew my dad for some reason. I couldn't connect the dots how he knew me. Really, he just had seen me on a previous flight where, again, I have like an authority issue, I think it is. But he saw he recognized me or like remembered me because I took an AI out with a special, and you're not supposed to do that as a customer service agent. An AI is an armed individual, and a special is someone who needs a little bit extra assistance. So you're supposed to take them out separately. Um, I took them out together because the special was so special. They had no idea what was going on and they were like miles apart. So I was like, the AI will be done with his paperwork before the special even gets on. And I was doing this all by myself as a customer service agent. I didn't have any help. So I, and I needed to have the on-time performance. That's all I was worried about. So the captain got upset because I did something like that was not right. And he called me out again and he asked me like, why are you doing this? I'm like, what do you want me to do? And he didn't have an answer because I had already done it and there was no really no issue. He just wanted to kind of like thwart his power and tell me like, that's wrong. And so my husband was like, I like this girl. She's got attitude. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like as a ramper, you kind of feel like everyone has a little more power over you. Um, and especially as a woman, um, you know, they just don't think you're that smart because you don't have to have a degree to be a ramper. Um, and that is kind of the hard part when you're in positions where typically a man does the job and you're a woman doing it, there can be that power differential and, and men tend to question you more. Yes. Uh, we, we definitely felt that uh, on-time performance. So there's so many times MVP and I, yeah. we can go on this whole different episode about on-time performance and the anxiety that induces. And we see this a lot as, uh, with women mechanics and also apprentice, like just any gender apprentice where like um, they just kind of get the thumb pushed down on them harder. Like where you're performing well, but you're, we want you to perform outstanding. Like we're just like setting the bar super high for whatever reason, uh, whether it be because we believe in you or whether it be because we feel you can't do it, or we want you to, to flex on other people just to kind of show that you can, whatever the, um, reason is it, it always has like this added 
pressure, especially for apprentices and women mechanics in general. I was told once that they set the bar at, at, a, at a level they knew that was unobtainable. And even yes. if it was attained, they would just tell you that you didn't attain it anyways. Or fairly. You just didn't attain it fairly. Fairly, mm-hmm. yeah. You had to keep uh, just, and they, their reasoning was, well, just to keep you pushing and working harder and harder and harder and this and that. But eventually, I think it has the negative effect where you go, well, I'm never going to reach it. So why am I exerting so much energy towards it? All right. Well, and, and, and then everybody just backs off. Yeah. And then as a woman, like if you do obtain like that perfection, then what they say is, oh, you just got your job because you're pretty. Yes. Or right. uh, or like all this, per- like they just start like prejudging certain things like, yeah, you got it because you're pretty or this person's just a bitch. Uh, they're very yeah. difficult to work with or whatnot. But it's really you just that like, you got your stuff so dialed in that, you know, uh, the tolerances of what can and cannot uh, happen within a certain time frame. And, but they don't see it as that. They just like, oh, this person's just an overbearing bitch. And yeah. the only reason why they got that is because they had to grease their knees a little bit to get where they're at. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like grease your knees, he says. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> yeah. How, did you, two, how like, did you two meet? Emma and I? Yeah. Emma, you want to tell that story? You want to tell them? Okay, so like at the beginning of um, 2021, I had started the podcast and I had started the petition for air medical reform. And I just along the way, like got linked up with so many incredible people. And because of that, like my like beehive, as I call it, like just my web of people began to get larger and larger and larger. And then I eventually was introduced to Maddie and I brought her on the show and I just, I loved her chemistry. I loved the way she has a voice for speaking, Maddie. You have like a great podcast voice. And she was, when I first brought you on, Maddie, I don't think you were really like, you you knew about the subject, but you weren't as like, keyed in as you are now. Um, and then after I had Maddie on the podcast, I saw her just advocating her ass off for air medical reform. And I was like, okay, this is a person I need on my team. And I had taken a little bit of a hiatus because I was working towards my IFR rating. And as you guys both know, a podcast is very much like a labor of love. And when you're one person doing it, it's like, to think about having something for yourself and only you to talk about for at least an hour every single week is hard. So I took a little bit of a break. And then when I came back into it, I knew that I wanted a co-host and I talked to a few people, but people are, I mean, pilots are extremely hesitant to talk about this. Like, there are not a lot of people even, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a pilot or not. There are not a lot of people who are willing to have an open discussion about the FAS policies regarding mental health or just physical health in general. And seeing Maddie out there, like just keeping pushing on the message. I was like, okay, this is who I want on my team. I have to have her on my team. So I reached out to her and we had been in contact and I was like, Hey, like, how would you feel about coming on to the pilots pandemic and being a part of the pilots pandemic. Um, and yeah, so that's really how it came to be. And honestly, I don't know where the hell I'd be without this chick, like queen, queen bow down. Yes. Queen. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 
that's that's kind of how MVP and I met. Well, we worked together in the same office, going through the exact same bullshit together. And I remember one of the main conversations we had, we were talking about some uh, task that just had to get done. And for some reason or another, some uh, hip hop music came in our heads and we just started like just pinballing it around, just bullshitting some random shit. And that was like the last phrase I remember. We were just like, doing like that. Uh, well, what do you call that? That faded. Uh, um, dance gesture whatever it is I don't know what the, what the actual name is but we're just doing that shit we're like yes queen <laughs> Jesus Christ yes. and then our <laughs> boss just walks in like what the fuck is wrong with these two <laughs> were you guys dabbing is that what you're talking about I have no idea what no it wasn't dabbing it was okay. like it was kind of like where you lean back and you look to the ceiling and you and you just kind of like wave around like a like an inflatable <laughs> tube man so, oh, okay. Some like call that some call that gyrating. Yeah, okay, gyrating. <laughs> <laughs> it was like all stupid. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck is wrong with these two? And then, um, we that's when we kind of stab is like at some point this the stress uh, gets to a certain point where it's either you crack or you got to do some means to vent it out. And mo- for us, our vent was comedy where we just like do some stupid shit or like we'll do like little office pranks to our coworkers. Like not off the wall, like they'll get hurt, but we'll just do some real dumb shit. Like we'll switch their pens around and uh, paper clip their yes, their, de- their chair that. to their desk or some shit like that. <laughs> That's what I would do to my coworker too when I was ramping. Um, one of them, like she was older, so she always had to. She wanted the water cart so she could drive it all around the ramp. And our mission, like every ramper was like, we're hiding that water cart from Dottie was her name. And so Dottie would get (laughs) on the radio. She'd be like, where the hell is the water cart? And just all be just giggling. Come again. Can't hear you (laughs) with the whole uh, peanut static mic. (laughs) Sorry, Dottie. (laughs) Or they would just come across and be talking. Where's the water cart? Where's this? Where that? They would go on for a few minutes and then somebody just comes across hot mic. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> hot mic. <laughs> <laughs> Just totally, totally blows them off that way too. Oh, freaking fantastic! I love it. Go for hot mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as far as us, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No. So I wanted to ask you guys, like, how did you like? What was the inspiration behind the podcast? I mean, I listen to you guys weekly, and I really, I love the flow that you guys have. I think. Honestly, y'all are a great duo. What, I mean, how did this come to be? Well, so like Six was saying, we were sitting in the office and then we'd have, we'd have all the leads from each shop. We'd have Avi, Mex, uh, Structures, all those guys. They come in our office every day. We might as well have had a couch in that office because um, it was pretty much a therapist's office too. Those guys would come in, you know, you know, like, oh my God, my, my shop wants to do this bullshit. And I know you guys said you wanted this done, but they're trying to counter dick. You know, I'm sick of this horse shit. They're like, all right, sit down. Let's talk about it, you know? And then they go away with a smile on their face. But so a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the episodes, we would have those conversations in the office. And then Six looks at me one night and goes, man, we should record this stuff. <laughs> and then it just kind of went from there. We should record these conversations. And then it just flowed into the podcast from yeah. that point. So a lot of the episodes we've done were like, actual stories minus a couple omissions here and there and these were actual conversations we would have with those leads and other people like supervisors managers all kinds of stuff would just come to our office just sit themselves down and just vent and we don't know where that started or how did we invented that face for them 
but we noticed like just how much better they they felt about themselves and just how much they did their job just that snip bit better and we would just walk around the the flight line walk around the shops uh, or wherever there's work getting done and we see these guys just wrung out for whatever it is they're doing whether their shop was being overbearing their managers being overbearing their pay time the off schedule got, yeah the schedule their pay time off got denied whatever you just see them just like dead dead in the face mm-hmm. but smiling outside and mm-hmm. we would come around we'll just start fucking with them just like mess around just give them enough comedy to just kind of relax a little and they felt that much better and we noticed like uh, one night we did that to somebody and it stopped him from doing something dangerous and we looked at each other and it was like wow this this is it man like we just we prevented something like that and if we can do this to one person this should uh, be something for everybody like because you never know like that one that one laugh that little yeah. h in the ha would be the one to just let you um relax just that little bit and that little bit is probably what's going to potentially save you from getting your fingers crushed or who knows what else uh, could happen i didn't even think about that like it's awesome that you guys come from it as sort of a background where you're like okay well if this can potentially help someone be better or make the right decision, then that's what we're going to do. And we're going to instill it through comedy, which is the best medicine. Yeah. And we try to go through it with, with comedy and, and, and sometimes, you know, it might even be to the point where they're like, like, what's going on, man. I keep asking my, my supervisor, if they can look up this information for me or whatever else. And I get no response and they just tell me they don't have the bandwidth to deal with it. And this and that, and like, I'm, I'm over it. And I'm like, all right, Stand by, you know, stand by. And so then I'll come back like an hour later. I'll call him on the phone and then I'm like, hey, here's that information you're looking for. I was like, now you can quit. Now you can quit being a little bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> and get back to work. I do it that way. Like I helped them out and got them what they want and also talked a little shit and made them laugh in the process. So they were, you know, it's good to go after that. That was another big, that was a big pet peeve of myself. All three of us really on the show is we, we don't like hearing a problem without a, a proposed solution. Right. And now, and that's one thing that we try to do ourselves. Like if we're going to present a problem, we need to at least have some form of a solution worked out, whether it's like a theoretical solution, uh, something that can actually get, uh, get accomplished or just like, let's just add something to the brainstorm pile. Like maybe this is something you've never heard before and we'll actually work it out. Like this is what we propose to do, or this is what we feel can get done. And nine times out of 10, they'll just blow us off, tell us we're a bunch of clowns and shit. But, <laughs> but, um, it, it's, it's one thing we've always hated, especially on working nights on the line, is someone would just come screaming into the control hub or wherever the shop leads office is and they go, oh, my God, the toilet won't flush. I'm like, well, did you try to unclog it? No. Did I'm you just call t- facilities? Yeah. Like, no, I'm just here to tell you that the toilet won't flush. Like, cool. Like, <laughs> and, Everyone and needs laugh. their that, rubber that, duck. That's an actual story, though. That's a true story. <laughs> they came in one night and they're like, Hey, uh, the bathroom and hanger so-and-so, um, toilet stuffed up. Oh, all right. Well, did you, yeah, like six, did you try to unclog it? Did you let no facilities? Like, no, I just, uh, I went and told my lead and my lead to co- told me to come tell you. Okay. Well, well, we're not facilities in here. We're maintenance control for the hangers and the flight lines. So 
for the aircraft specifically. Um, call call facilities up and let them know. No, I, I I did what I was told to do. It's your problem now. Literally, that's the answer we got. <laughs> what the fuck? God damn it! <laughs> so now now that story is gonna make be made fun of for the rest of time. <laughs> Congratulations, you don't know how to unclog a toilet. <laughs> like my worst nightmare. Oh, God. <laughs> Who wants to deal with a messy toilet? Not me. Oh. oh, oh, I mean, from some of our listeners where they talk about lav stories. Ugh. Oh, God. I will deal with a home clog toilet from logs that either myself or some family member just, it just won't go down. I would rather yeah. deal with that. And for some blue juice that who knows how long it's been there and who knows how many people have been throwing their loads in or throwing their contributions into it. Like, I had a coworker <laughs> dump a lab on her face. So I, and she, oh, oh, she had the no. whole, yeah, she had the whole spray down. It was bad. No. <laughs> Done. <laughs> oh God. She was only like four I, foot five. So it went. On top of her head. No. Yes. Like I will be the first to admit that I will MEL that lab every fucking time. (laughs) (laughs) Waver for days. Like, well, the lab won't flush. Suck it up, man. I'm sorry. Here's here's a Ziploc bag. Figure it out. (laughs) What's the the work order? We got a maintenance checklist. We got outboard tire needs changed. Okay. Uh, We got a troubleshoot, whatever component. And we got a frozen lab. like mel that last one and i'll take care of the rest <laughs> it's like well it's just gonna get frozen again when he goes up to altitude right ah, that's fine it's it'll be fine it'll be all right just uh, defer Listen. it to depo <laughs> intermission over <laughs> so so we were talking about the lab story which i think is any lab story i think is just absolutely freaking gross i i just i can't fathom it i hate it i hate the the poseidon's touch in, in, no, no, no. Poseidon's kiss. Get it right. Poseidon's kiss. Oh my God. You should have seen this one gift. This one listener sent us. It's like literally like the toilet, like it splashes up and turns into like a face of Poseidon and he like puckers his lips and just like, just like <laughs> gets you <laughs> right, right where the S crack is. And then, he tick- and then he tickles you a little bit and it goes back to the toilet. <laughs> oh my God. It's just disgusting, man. I'm like, where do you find this? <laughs> Fuck, fucking internet, man. I love the it. The internet's a magical place. <laughs> Reddit. The, Reddit. I was just about to say, Maddie, like the internet or Reddit? <laughs> so I haven't been on Reddit before, so I'm going to have to get on there, I guess. Oh, you got Reddit is where we get everything. All right. Reddit then. Reddit, Reddit is, is low. You have to like, create Reddit an account or something like that? Or is it just. No. Just, you don't or is it just like account. Nine Gag where you just keep scrolling? Have you been on 4chan or heard of 4chan? I have heard of 4chan, but not been on it. Oh, Reddit. You got to get into Reddit. You get all the juicy juice on Reddit. Mm, Okay. All the tea spilling. (laughs) So, (laughs) so we, so we talked a little bit about families and whatnot. Um, I can only imagine what it's like for, to being married to a pilot, for instance, with you, Maddie, and then Emma, you being a pilot yourself. uh, What's the family life like for you guys? Um, I'll go first, Emma. Um, so for me, like Jesse just left on a trip today and, uh, it's just because we don't have kids we're I'm going to be like child-free life with him. Like we rely on each other a lot. Um, and I think on the partner side, like we have to figure out how we can support our partners and still do our own thing, still have our own life. Um, 
And a lot of times I feel like I get a lot of hate for like diving into the aviation industry. But I think once people get to know me, like they see why I'm so into it. Um, And it also just kind of ties into the quality of life for my husband. Like when I was working as a dental assistant, I barely ever saw him. And it wasn't really great for our relationship. It wasn't like we weren't going to last, but I just really emphasize like our time together is very important, especially because of the trauma of losing my dad in a plane crash. Like for me, I was like, what will benefit our relationship and our quality of life the most? Um, And that was kind of like me taking a step back from like a nine to five job, coming home and kind of working on what I really wanted to work on. Mm -hmm. So um, I think you kind of, it's like a learning curve for a while being married to a pilot, but I think what helped me a lot was already being in the aviation industry, kind of understanding the lingo. I think there that there's a barrier there if you've never worked in the aviation industry and your husband comes home or your your partner comes home, starts talking about the aviation industry. If you don't know about it, it could be like a totally different language. Um, so I think taking a little extra time to learn about the av industry if you're not in it also helps your partnership. Because mm-hmm. um, I think... A lot of times in these pilot wife groups, they have a lot of complaints that don't, they, they just don't understand. And I've also been on a lot of trips with my husband, which is not normal of a pilot relationship either. A lot of these wives are so disconnected because they have to stay home with their kids. So they don't, they always think, oh, my pilot's gone and they're out having fun. In reality, it's like turn and burn, you know, like, so they don't understand that either. So just really trying to understand the industry helps your relationship <clears throat> Um, working together to just really support each other. Like my husband's like, I want you to have your hobbies. When I come back, it's not like I expect you to come and cater to me. Like I'm re-entering your life too. So we're going to make it work. Right. And we've, we've had something similar to that, especially with us being on the road, uh, especially, uh, specifically with MVP being a, a AOG, like our, we get like the call to do road trips, like on the spot sometimes like we're in the middle of stuff we're having dinner where it's we're dead ass asleep and they get a phone call like hey pack your shit you guys gotta go do job at xyz location i'm like it's three to fuck in the morning dude like yeah well your plane leaves at five so get with it like fuck right and then just and then just having uh, a spouse that's just that understanding or even a a significant other who has that kind of understanding it's like well the phone rang he or she has to get up and go it's just what it is. Yeah. yeah and, and and that understanding only lasts so long too, mind you. Right. So you just spent, like I used to work 220 hours every two weeks. Uh, and then you come home and you'd be home. Like it might be 24 hours. You're at home and it's 11 o'clock at night and you're going to sleep and you're planning on going, doing something with the family. And you get it, you get that call and you're like, Hey, you got a 6am flight out of Pittsburgh. You got to go. And you're like, where am I going now? Uh, you're heading to Bangor, Maine. And then shit. And like, well, you just go up there, do the job, come back, continue on with your little bit of time off. But then while you're in Maine, they're like, oh, hey, we actually got a job in Boca Raton, Florida. So now we're going to send you down to Boca Raton. And then while you're in Boca Raton, oh, we got something over in Naples to so drive over there. You know, it just and it just adds up. So the and it's understanding from the spouse's perspective, like, hey, this was supposed to be our time. Why are they? Why are they? bothering you in our time right only, only lasts for so long right and and i and i and i take it from your end maddie is like 
you have to have that much of an understanding. Like this is not something like I do on purpose. It's just because that's just how it is. There's either a finite pool of workers or there's only so much work we can divvy out. So any that comes about, you just have to, it's either like, well, if I don't take it, then I'm not eating. So exactly, which is it? And then also with the communication piece of it too. Yeah. Emma, how, how about you, Emma? Um, I've never had to deal with it. Like in actually, you know, I take that back. I have had to deal with it in terms of a relationship aspect, but it's never been, um, necessarily about time. It's more been about, um, seniority as you'd say it. I've had, um, men in relationships who didn't necessarily want to be with me because I wanted to be a pilot. Um, and I don't know if that relates back to masculinity or. Oh, yeah, it's definitely what. an ego thing. <laughs> yeah, an ego issue. And it's always related back to, oh, well, I don't want to be with somebody who is the breadwinner. I don't want to be with a female who's a breadwinner. And little do they know, like, I don't want to be a breadwinner. <laughs> I want to go to Alaska and fly bush planes. Honey, I will not be a breadwinner. Um, but I do want to be a pilot. So. Finding the right kind of person who is super supportive of your dream and your goals has been a little bit difficult, but I have found those people in my life and I feel like I'm really lucky because of that. Yes. Seeing the opposites for me, I what what most men are like you you really want you would like your wife to be the breadwinner? Man, if she comes and tells me I ain't gotta go to work no more and I can be a stay-at-home dad because she's <laughs> she's carrying the weight, sign me up. You mean I don't have to put on a pant with a button ever again, sign me up. Like that's where I'm at with it. I have like, no problem. Yeah. Like, I'm, no tired problem of being, the, I'm tired of being my own sugar daddy. Damn it. Yeah, I'm tired <laughs> <of being> <laughs> <laughs> Someone I take care like of I've me. De- <laughs> I feel like I've dealt with it a little bit, like as far as choosing like my aspirations in aviation, because I know that the airline route is not something that I want. Um, I know that any career in aviation involves a certain amount of time away from your family, but I, as the daughter of an airline pilot, I, my dad was gone a decent amount of time. And for someone like me who wants to have a family where I'm very involved, I know that that lifestyle won't hold up with the kind of life that I want to live. Um, which is difficult when, Traditionally, the main route is to the airlines. Yep. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, that's why Six and I are in the positions we're in today, right? Because of family. I used to be on the road traveling the world, uh, you know, working all all in some not so nice places and some nice places and this and that. But I, I quit in making really good money, but I quit doing that because my kids were growing up without me. So yes. there comes yeah. a time when you got to sacrifice. You're like, okay, I got to find the happy medium. You know what I mean? Well, that, yeah. that and plus like uh, you can only sit, kneel, bend, twist so many times in your life. And especially with the amount of sit, kneel, bend, twist that we've been doing in very questionable spaces, <laughs> it takes a toll on you. So and it's, there comes a moment where we're like, well, do I want to do this all my life? Is this really what I want? Or do I want to see the end in a much nicer way? And that's kind of the positions we're in now is we, we never, we never saw ourselves writing a desk and we never saw ourselves pushing paper, but it's to this point now where it's like, well, it's all about the longevity now. And there's some individuals who can just run and gun and bend, sit, kneel, twist all day long into the grave and kudos to them. I, I really appreciate those who do it. 
But uh, yeah, they got, they got better genetics than me, though. <laughs> yeah, the, but it only it, lasts so long, you know. Like they're not going to be like that forever. Absolutely, and I don't want to see where that end point is before I can't do nothing about it. So here I am doing yoga. <laughs> here I am stretching in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Things but it's I so neglected. good that you know that you know. Like me and Emma talk about that all the time being younger and realizing like quality of life really matters and and pushing that longevity factor like your life is going to be so much happier than you like working yourself to death right and we we all know this especially in the in the aviation industry like if you let if you let yourself be available to be worked to death you you will be (laughs) oh yeah the company will use you like a tool oh yeah Oh, yes. Like, might as well put a barcode on yourself and wait for someone to check you out because that's right. And that's that's one of the things I was able to change here to New Year for my my team. Um, You know, we were working. uh, We're working five days a week, oftentimes OT during the week and then always guaranteed there's OT for the weekend that people are going to have to come in for. And uh, everybody's just getting burned out and whatever else. So I was actually able to change. our schedules around a little bit to have, you know, four tens and uh, during the week and then a three to 12 re- weekend crew to cover those, those other events, you know, giving everybody an extra day or even two days off uh, during the week. You know, I'm, it's easier for me to do that than it would be to give them all X amount of pay raises. Right. Cause the company's going to go, uh, we're not shelling out no extra money. Yes. You know, as base pay, but if I can give them extra time off, I think everybody agrees time away from work is, almost more valuable yes yeah. i i can say that because Mental, mentally wise you know mentally so sp- speaking of that uh I, I mentioned yoga and stretching like what other stuff do you ladies do to uh how do you say decompress decompress yes that's it i am like a huge advocate of movement um i mean i was personal trainer before i started getting into i trained at a gym and then I got into making an app for cabin crew to move. Um, and so, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had that for about two years um, just so cabin crew would work out just for 30 minutes in their hotel room. Like I used really minimal equipment, but I, for me, like in my mental health, if I don't move, I am so much grumpier. I have way higher anxiety. And it's not that I have to have like this intense workout, even just like getting outside and walking really helps like with my mental health and and definitely with my anxiety. So, um, and I know overall my quality of life, it helps, it helps that too. So um, for me, it's definitely exercise and then sleep is a big one. Oh, sleep. <laughs> That's something that I coveted I, sleep. Yes. I, I, took way too much advantage of sleep as a kid <laughs> uh, how, about, how about yourself emma like what are some ways that you use to decompress i don't know um i'm i'm not as great as maddie i can't say that i work out um on the regular i wish it was something that i was better at but i just i i cannot stand a gym but i feel like the only way i'm gonna work out is at a gym i'm not motivated to work out in my home but I definitely, I mean, I try and find my happy place. So it's like finding the thing that you're really, really good at, which for me is riding horses. So I've always felt like in my weirdest times or some would say my darkest times, I always result back to the things that I know the best, which is for me, horses. And 
being outdoors and riding is very therapeutic for me. I just find myself letting go. That's the only time that I can really like let go and not have expectations for myself because I find myself most of the time when I'm upset, it's not because of anything that anyone did to me. It's because of the expectation that I had for myself that I didn't live up to. Oh, dude. I, mm. I feel this. <laughs> I feel I'm in this conversation and I'm attacked. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're right. I, I, I like that you brought that up because there's just so many different ways that you can vent or decompress. Like uh, uh, movement is definitely one of them. Uh, journaling, I hear is another one yeah. or or some type of artistic expression like painting, drawing. Uh, just, or as Patrick Starr said in SpongeBob, scream. Scream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely need a therapeutic scream. You know, <laughs> we've actually, uh, we actually joked about that in the, in the office once like, Hey, you need to do a therapeutic scream. And we actually had a worker who did that. Like he just like, uh, opened the door outside, just let, just belted just one out for out. like, for like 30 <laughs> seconds and then closed the door. Like I feel much better. Like, yeah, dude, the best feeling ever is like galloping. I don't know. However many miles per hour on a horse and just fucking screaming. Like, I do know how I've done that so many times and that may be very specific for some people and the people who have done it understand. But like if if you find that one place that makes you feel really like free and just unleashed, you feel super comfortable and you're able to lean into that moment. That is to me one of the most therapeutic things you could ever do. Absolutely. I mean, I've never I haven't done a therapeutic screen myself in a long while. And usually when I do it, people think I'm about to fight somebody and that, that just increases more anxiety on other sections. But <laughs> I could, I, I understand the feeling. I totally get it. Yeah, no, it's, it's oh, like, that is my moment. Like just being able to let loose like that. I, because like, I just, I set so many expectations for myself. I feel like I am my biggest critic. Um, So being able to put myself in an environment where I'm able to let walls down for myself, I don't create walls for other people. I create walls for myself. So finding that environment where I can let down those walls and be myself and express myself in the way that I want without feeling those pressures is the, the most therapeutic for me. It's been the most beneficial for me, which in particular has been horseback riding and and getting back to what I know the best. I totally understand. And I get it. I, I can also say with the expectations thing that's felt across the board, I think with, in regards to aviation as a whole, because uh, pilots, you guys are expected to know so much in such a little bit of time, like zero, yeah. zero tolerance for mistakes. Uh, yeah. Likewise for the rampers and the customer service agents, which you have experience in Maddie, like you just have to wrap off like knowledge, like instant like why, why is my flight delayed you just got to give them like this laundry list of issues that just somehow like triggers their brain to just not ask you anymore <laughs> yeah i feel like everyone here like sorry maddie but i i have to say this because everyone sit like sitting here having this conversation we're all expected to have a certain amount of perfection like me as a pilot i'm I'm supposed to do my certain amount of things to have that flight be successful. As far as maintenance is supposed to do their thing to make things be successful, which y'all have an incredible amount of responsibility. And then with rampers, like we all have this immense expectation to be perfect because if things, 
if we don't behave perfectly, I mean, think about what would happen. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel especially for like the air crew that's actually in the, in the plane as it's flying. Cause there, there, there's no escape. Like once you're in there, you have to put the face, you have to keep with it. And there's really no break besides like that. However many moments of rest in the crew area for however long, and then you're back to it. Um, yeah. I, I remember this one story where I think this was during our domestic violence episode where this flight attendant had to d- deal with a customer who just like decided it was the funniest thing in the world to pull his pants down and just start beating off with kids and shit next to him. And the and then the the flight attendant had to deal with it like what the fuck dude like pull your fucking pants yeah. back up and then you would in a normal environment they'll just escort him out of the building or yeah uh, have a cop or whatever deal with him but you're on Police a plane there's nowhere called. to there's nowhere to go like well there he is instead of instead of seat uh 46 now he's in seat 106 he's still on the damn plane probably about to go beat off again yep. so I especially feel that for the ones who have to deal with customers because that's probably like the the most um I'd say what do you say strict aggravating the most, yeah the most aggravating the most strict expectations of you and you have like zero room for error because if you say something mm-hmm. a certain way or it reflects uh, on the company yes mm-hmm. yes I mean well us as mechanics we have some form of customer service like when like but most of our customers are like high and by. And whenever something goes wrong, they typically don't blame us, which is kind of a nice thing. Yeah. I think the worst customers for me were either delays or cancellations, or if you lost someone's freaking bag, like I have been berated for not knowing where someone's bag is. I was like, look guys, your bag's probably going to come on the next flight. And they were just like, I can't believe you don't know where my bag is. And like, there is no way for me to know where it's at. I didn't work at the last airport. I work at this airport. Exactly. Um, I don't know what the people at the last airport did, so I can't vouch for that. <laughs> right. Like, unless like you got like a find my phone feature on your bag that, some, <laughs> yeah. that somehow works transcontinental, you know, but uh, your bag always comes. Like, that's the thing that I try to tell people is like, you know what? Your bag may be lost, but I promise you it will come at some point. Like right. it's not lost, lost. Right. Put all your essentials in your, in your carry on. Yeah, just saying. Don't check your damn bag. That's what I want to say. <laughs> right. Yeah. Why are you checking bags? How much what kind of shit are you bringing on this trip? You're here for two days, right? Yep. I, I question you, TSA over here. This one, right? This this person right here, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. It is. It, it's difficult, and you like you said the expectation of it, especially self perceived expectations, and then what others perceive of you. Yeah, that can definitely put some pressure down on you. And in some of the ways we mentioned how to decompress, whether artistically, movement-wise, uh, whatever in- inventive thing that just makes you feel like you're not bound to your responsibilities as yeah. much yeah, is definitely think, a thing. Yeah, and like even just like being able to communicate how you feel to your coworkers, like you guys were saying how your, your coworkers come in and it's kind of like a therapy session, just being able to talk about it really like helps me calm down i have to communicate or if i bottle it up like i will get to my tipping point exactly and and i will acknowledge right there comes a point where like you cannot self-diagnose yourself good enough so you would have to eventually seek some professional help how are you going to go about that that's i think that's more on your ladies realms of like what what can you cannot do 
And I would say for every listener here, definitely go check these ladies out as to how you can, because <laughs> we, we all know there's going to be a tipping point. And no one likes seeing a shrink or a, ter- a therapist, a psychologist, any kind of medical. <laughs> I thought you were about to say a terrorist. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. But the good thing about, I think, today's society, especially after the last couple of years of this whole pandemic thing, the the stigma behind seeking professional help for your mental health and whatever else is that's kind of gone away. Right. It's 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 um, the conversations of mental health are are definitely more open. There's a lot more people talking about it and, and shedding light on it. So I think those stigmas are slowly being removed from definitely uh, and there is but there isn't at the same time i definitely think there is a culture of um younger people who are starting to talk about it more but there still is a hush hush especially amongst pilots where you feel like okay well anything that i say is going to be held against me um but i'm grateful that the conversation is becoming more prevalent because of the current time Yes, right. Most, most I mean, definitely. I, I get what you're saying, though. It's still there when you say, like, hey, you know, I was thinking, you know, what are you doing? Just sitting around the lunch break room, whatever, you know, talking. Oh, you know, I decided to see the therapist last week. Oh, why? Oh, you know, just just got some shit going on in, in my personal life that I just need help working through. And, you know, we'll work and, you know, professional and, and home life, you know, just just trying to get through. Need an unbiased third party opinion, you know, and this and that. And. But, you know, the rumors start floating from there. You know, the guy's cracked, you know, yes. and watch what watch what he does on the plane. You're going to have to double check his work because he's fucking losing it. Right. And, and yeah, I will also like say, mean. and I also say vice versa. You have those individuals who don't think they're hurt enough to rate seeing a therapist or a psychologist or anyone that's medically capable of diagnosing what's going on inside your inside your noodle. <laughs> Well, it's the, there's worse people. There's people out there in worse shape than me. So why am I complaining type thing? I think yes. that's what it goes to. Yes. Well. And, and I'm glad that, that you ladies exist as, uh, tackling those regards because uh, some people don't realize they're hurt. They don't realize yeah. that, that they have issues or maybe like they're what they consider normal is, is a coping mechanism and they don't know it. Right. Like uh, I just take more coffee. I just I just smoke more cigarettes or mm-hmm. uh, I just seclude myself more because I don't know how to react. And then other people see that as like, well, he's just being closed off ish because he's a he's an asshole or um, they're just going through air quotes, some things, you know, and yeah, that could be a trend for the unhealthy. And I'm glad that you uh, there's uh, ladies like you who actually tackle that hard subject in all yeah. facets of it, because. Heck, I don't, uh, am I hurt? <laughs> am I? Yeah. It, it definitely like opens up the conversation to kind of ask yourself, like, are you feeling okay? Because there, I mean, de- depending on who you are, how you were raised, what kind of culture you live day to day, some people aren't asking themselves that question. And it is kind of a layered question. If you really truly ask yourself, are you feeling okay? Um, And I think that's really what our platform is about is just starting that conversation. Like, Hey, are you okay? If not, that is okay. It's okay to not feel okay. Most definitely. That puts it so well. I love that. 
So, uh, so uh, I got like one more thing for one more question for you ladies and, and feel free to, to tangent off of this. Uh, so, since you mentioned like, that's what your platform is going to be. Uh, I can kind of piecemeal the, the puzzle together as to what drove you to, to stand on this platform. Um, but what, what would you like to see happen because of your platform? Like what's one of your main goals for this? I I'm, do you want to answer that Maddie? Do you want me to answer? Um. <laughs> I can start and then you can end if, you, if I didn't like touch on yeah. things. But I think like our main goal, um, because I'm going to start at the Pilots Pandemic Petition, it's almost at 8,000 signatures, um, is to make actual reform from the FAA's point of view. And uh, there's a lot of different views of how to change mental health and aviation. But one of the things that I've realized is that um, if you leave it up to the company to help their their workforce, they're not necessarily obligated to do it. Um, and we see that with just the HIMSS program for uh, alcoholic pilots. Like not all companies have that program because it's not mandated by the FAA to do so. So right. um, over on the West side, the airline that my husband works for, they don't have a, like none of the pilots will use the HIMSS program because they don't, tr- it's not um, through the union. So they don't trust the company to actually be in their favor. So in my opinion, that is why we need it at a governmental level to change at a federal level. Um, but there's definitely within that pilot group, like everyone has their own personal opinion. Um, and sometimes I even think pilots, like they're their own worst enemy sometimes, like they want reform in some way, but then they end up voting against it in their own way too. So that's a difficult part, but like, yeah, our main thing is to actually change it at a congressional level. That's awesome. I mean, I'd, I'd love to get that change on a congressional level. That's definitely one of our like all time goals. Like if we're working towards a huge goal, that's our big goal. And I think on top of that, it's just, creating a conversation. I know like I've touched on within my own family, there really wasn't a conversation about this. And there was a lot of fear and stigma behind seeking help. And I know there are a few studies on aversion to seeking healthcare and pilots, but it's really about creating that conversation and making pilots aware of like, okay, if this is this is, you have to take this route. Like I I watched my father prolong a condition that could have been treated for a very long time. And I saw it result in something really terrible. And I just want pilots to be able to get the help that they need before it becomes too bad. And I want there to be a sort of change with how pilots like the process that pilots have to take as far as the SI, because it is such a long process. There is no guarantee. And because of that, there is a huge stigma to getting the, the help that you need. Um, and if there wasn't that stigma, pilots would go and get the help that they need. I mean, it feels very complicated, but in the same sense, it, it is very simple. Um, I mean, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what exactly we need to change to help that process, but I know a couple of ideas that we could put in place to make the process a little bit simpler, AKA hiring a few more people at the FA to make the paperwork and the process run a little bit smoother and have the turnover rate be a little bit quicker. Yeah, I can totally understand. I can feel it. And uh, we're, we're, we're not 
savvy with how everything works federally. And we were just hoping that the changes that need to happen do occur and, and it prevents more unnecessary damages or, and or lives being lost. Uh, that's kind of similar to what we um, do here on, on Cancel for Maintenance is like, besides just giving you that moment's relief, we're kind of setting the tone, like, here's some things that you can see wrong with what you're with yourself and what with what you're around. And this is how you can kind of change it culturally for a yourself and those around you. Cause uh, like all things changes slow and 99% of people are very, very abrasive to change, especially when they're set in their ways of how they can do things the how they feel can get done or how they can just sneak by and not do things. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it definitely starts with like that with starting the conversation for one. And it definitely starts yeah. with like seeing where the gaps are. And sometimes the gaps are in places that you will make a lot of enemies for. So yeah. that's, de- that's definitely something that we all as a whole uh, need to start having and start um, looking into most assuredly. Yeah. We have a lot of these checklists for pilots that are like the I'm safe checklist and the paved checklist that you're supposed to assess yourself. And there's one of them that always hit home for me, which is external pressures. And I've always asked myself, what does that mean? And I really want pilots and people in aviation really ask yourself, what does that mean? External pressures. And if those external pressures exceed your comfortability limit, if that's even a word, then you need to take steps to reevaluate how you can be more comfortable. Um, I, I know for me, I mean, just, just taking a step back in a breather, like there are days when I've made a flight lesson and I've woke up that morning and I've just not felt up to it. And there's been this pressure of like, Oh, you have to go. You have to full send. You you got to go to that flight lesson. And I haven't felt up to it. And I went to that flight lesson and I didn't perform the way that I wanted to. And I spent my time, my own money doing something that I feel like if I would have just said, hey, I'm not feeling it today and taking that break, come back to it, I would have had a much more productive outcome. Absolutely. And I think that's the same with all of us. Uh, all throughout the avian industry, uh, for us as mechanics, it's not, re- no one really cares until it starts affecting productivity. But mm-hmm. at that point, you've already passed the threshold and now you're just going to have to like, well, it's either, I hope I don't crush myself or I hope I don't fuck something up, uh, so significantly. So it's definitely, I, I would say we, we can adopt that for all across the board. Like, Hey, like what are your external pressures? Most definitely. Uh, yeah. so, so and I, Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I mean, I I just wanted to ask, you know, like if there was somebody who is listening to this right now, like as far as our audience, I know myself, I've been really interested in the maintenance side of things. If there was somebody who was curious about entering this segment of the industry, what would be some advice that you would give them? Get your A&P license, but get as many licenses as you can while you're in school. I know, at least for me, I right, I had I went and got the bare minimum requirements and went to the workforce right away because I had to start making money. Um, but if you can swing it to where you can just stay in school and get your your uh, was it the FCC along with your A and P and get some other <clears throat> accreditations along in there. If you can get an EASA license as well. Um, 
just just try to get it all done at one time. It'll it'll open so many more doors for you and um and it'll just benefit you once you hit the field. Uh I would also say like uh don't don't be afraid to ask questions. Like it may sound stupid and other might give you shit about it. Uh, I I'm not gonna lie. I've been the I've been both the receiver and the sender for questions like that. <laughs> but it, it's definitely it definitely pays more to ask questions. Even even if it sounds so uh, insignificant or whatnot, and don't be afraid to pick people's brains because you never know when that situation might come up again. You never know when that person might just leave the industry altogether. And we, we've kind of seen this where some individuals have transitioned to do other things because they just couldn't sit, kneel, bend, twist anymore, or they're just not with the industry anymore for whatever reason. And now you got like this big experience gap and with no real bridge to get it through. So if you find like a senior tech who's re- ready, willing, and able to teach you stuff, pick their brains like every single day. Like the more, you know, now will save you a lot later when the situation calls for you to just spit out answers right off the bat. Yeah. Be yeah. a sponge, absorb it. De- oh, and uh, MVP's favorite one is uh, never stop learning. Uh, the yeah. day you, the day you stop learning is the day you die. Yeah, I yep. think that's I think that's a testament for all pilots. Like, I know it, that you really never stop learning as a pilot, and I think that's honestly one of the most beautiful things about the aviation industry is it's always conforming and adapting and changing and growing. And there is always something new to learn, which makes it really exciting. And honestly one of the best industries to be in. I know we talk a lot of smack about it and it may seem drab when we have these conversations, but I definitely think the aviation industry is one of the most exciting industries to be in. Right. And who can say like, Oh, I like I fixed that machine that's in the sky right now carrying however many, some number of people Yeah. or I fly that thing in the sky or I help people get into their same same gratification and it's just one of those like not very very many people do it so you get a little bit of like uniqueness to it and that definitely the adrenaline rush because of your little tolerance for mistakes so like when it actually goes like oh my god thank god yeah check one for us check one in the wind column so ladies where can we find you uh where can listeners find you guys and hear more about your stories and more about the topics that you ladies cover well, you can find us. I mean, Maddie and I both have our personal Instagrams, but I'll just go ahead and like, you know, give myself a plug for the the pilots pandemic. So we are on Instagram. It's at the pilots pandemic. You'll find us there. And our podcast is the pilots pandemic. And you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much everywhere you listen to your podcast. And you can find me, Emma, on Instagram at M neon icon. And it's just spelled just like I said it. E M N E O N I C O N and neon icon. Yeah. And then uh, for me, it's just the fit aviatrix. So sweet. I won't spell it out. <laughs> <laughs> and then for all the pilot pandemic listeners, you can find us at Instagram at Kanks, C-A-N-X, uh, for maintenance. Uh, we also have a website, cancelformaintenance.com, which links all the 
all the social medias. We're still experimenting with which ones we want to be most pre- most uh, present active. on. Most yeah, pre- yeah most present yeah. and active. Uh, right now, Instagram's been our thing because we get we can do so much, and yeah. you know we can ask questions, we can post polls. I'm sure all the other ones can too, but it doesn't seem as cut clear cut as others. Like with like a uh, house. I guess how the analytics or whatever work, but Instagram has been mostly our thing. Uh, and likewise, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, pretty much anywhere you can put headphones to or wherever you listen to podcasts on. Uh, the latest thing for uh, most podcasting, especially up and coming is on good pods. So you can find us, you can find the pilots pandemic and probably some other good independent podcasts. You probably would, you would take interest of, but just never heard of before on good pods. So definitely check both of us and others on that one. Faux show. Well, well it, it has been so fun. <laughs> Thank you guys. Definitely it has an excellent conversation today and a lot of laughs. <laughs> a whole lot of laughs. We, we love doing collabs, especially because we have another element bring into the mix. And it's just more reason for us to just show like, what we're about, what each other are about, and then just have a whole s- slew of laughs along the yeah. way. Like we've we've never done a um like me and Maddie like as far as the pilot pandemic. This is one of our first collaborations that we've done. So hey, look it at has that. been awesome. super fun. <laughs> look at that. Yeah, we'd love to do it again sometime as well. Oh, yeah, sure. definitely. I feel like we could probably talk for hours about this like whole topic in general. Oh well, let let's let's make that a lead off in the a part two sometime in the future. Hey, definitely. <laughs> definitely. All right. All our listeners out there. Thank you for your time. And thank you again for listening. Bye. Thank you. Everyone. Bye. Bye. We'd like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to continue to make episodes, maintain our gear and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Ryan Freshour, Dan Schubert, Jenny Dignan, and the ladies of the Dick Talk and Mimosas podcast. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. Visit our shop at cancelformaintenance.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our contact us section and send us a line. We will do what we can to get your ideas or yourself on the show. You can also follow us on social media, such as on Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at Kanks, that's C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or on Twitter at C-X-M-X Podcast. Check out some of our affiliates like Rockwell Time, where they make both rugged and classy watches to fit your lifestyle. Use the code CX4MX and save 10% off your purchase. Support us on Patreon. Our patrons get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord, discounts and early access to merch, special patron-only episodes, and so much more. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.